The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kraftchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters, so we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is, things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in, so feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by me, I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches, 
500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. Today's topic is one of those topics that a lot of people have written in about who are very curious about. And uh, it's also one of those topics that I don't know much about. So I'm really excited to have Ben and Kate in the studio with me today to talk about polyamory. Let's just define what polyamory is. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around that word. Sure, um, I can take a stab at that. Go for it. I mean, my belief is that uh, it's not necessary that you are only ever going to be in love with one person or one person at a time, that you could potentially love many people concurrently. But just like when you have another child, you don't love your first child any less, it seems like if you were to meet somebody wonderful and then meet another wonderful person, that that would be like the greatest thing ever, mm -hmm. <laughs> to have more love in your life. So. That's, that's my take on it. Yeah, the, the main difference that, that we find between polyamory and other kinds of open relationships, the, you know, the, the swingers and all that other stuff, is that we're allowed to have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for for the mean? other people that, that we get involved with. Okay, yeah, so exactly. you can have deeper emotional feelings. Are these feelings of love for other people? I have not yet been in that boat. I have not yet fallen in love with somebody else that wasn't Ben. I think we're both open to that. I wouldn't say it's something I'm looking for. I, I don't feel like there's anything missing in my life. It's just that on a really like deep logical level, I just don't believe that I can only love one person at once. I guess what I'm hearing is it's not so much what you're allowed to do, but what you're restricted from, right? So it's not so much you're allowed to love other people. It's just that you're not restricted to love other people. Yeah, I try to... People are really always curious to hear more about our relationship, and we get these questions a lot. And the best explanation that I've come up with so far is that it's like being in a video game where the physics are different. The rules of our relationship are just different, and that's just the way it is. And that could be different for other poly couples, right? Oh, abs and I, I absolutely think that it is. I mean, we are... You know, I, I think most people who consider themselves poly would probably consider us fairly new at this. You know, we are uh, probably pass as pretty normal, like we're, you know, married and we look like a normal couple on the outside. And that gives us a lot of benefits that I think people in some other types of situations don't, don't have. Uh, we have friends who live in houses with more than one, you know, wife or husband and all the kids are raised as siblings. And honestly, I think they're really happy, well-adjusted, wonderful people and their kids are too. So um, that's kind of the, you know, as what I'm familiar with being like the far end of the spectrum. And we're probably on the other end where it probably seems like we could fit into a bunch of different molds. Let's just focus on you guys for a sec. How sure. did you guys meet? Oh, we met in college. Yeah, we, we, were, college. we were young. Yeah, we met we were, when we were, well, you were 21 and I was 22. And He's my sexy younger man. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <Such a> cougar. <laughs> and how did you guys start dating? I, gosh. We were friends for a couple months we, first. Yeah. But I, you know, I. There was an art exhibit. It was really cool. It was in a bunch of knitted fabric filled with spices and stuff in this big armory in New York City. 
and uh, I thought he would like it, and so I asked somebody who had his phone number to invite him, and we all went to the art exhibit, and I thought he was really cool. Um, that was Kate's perspective. I walked into the room and, and saw her and was like, okay, I have to, I have to make this happen. She, <laughs> she was, what was it about her? You know, I walked in and saw this very beautiful, clearly very intelligent woman. I was like, you know, at, at 21, you're not meeting a lot of those people. At close to 30, I'm still not meeting a lot of those people. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about, I mean, you can physically look at someone and say they're beautiful, but what was it about Kate that made her intelligent in your eyes? Oh, I mean, we started talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a little harder to spot. <laughs> I do remember he walked in and uh, he had on a button down. So he had clearly come from some sort of job, which was already attractive. And he looked me square in the she eyes. She was going to film school, so. Yeah, I was. <laughs> he looked me square in the eyes and he shook my hand and he said, thank you for having me. This, you know, something really nice about our place and thanks for having me as a guest. And that really struck me. That's not a thing that, you know, the dudes yeah. I was seeing in college or going on dates with were doing at all. What a polite young gentleman. Young man. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, had you guys been in polyamorous relationships before? Ugh, I think I had been and I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> well, that's probably the worst. <laughs> I think, I probably, and I think I'm the worst in this story. Um, I had honestly cheated on a lot of people. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. I kind of thought that that's just what everybody did. And granted, this is all before I was 21, right? So this is back in the territory of like, oh, we're not exclusive yet. We didn't have that conversation. The idea of being exclusive was odd to me. Mm. And I just thought, oh, I must not be ready for that. You weren't ever in a defined polyamorous relationship no okay what about you Ben no so how did you guys get together start dating and have the relationship progress we were together for about four years before we opened things up like we were we were engaged already well honestly once he put a rock on my finger it was like well now I know you're coming home you do, do whatever you want <laughs> so you were dating for four years from the southern perspective I dragged it on forever yeah. was, I, <laughs> <laughs> and then you put a ring on it huh and then when you put a ring on it, did you guys discuss what this marriage would look like? We'd started to have some conversations I think, before. Yeah, I think we had already kind of started to discuss it. I had expressed that I was kind of terrified at the prospect of only ever being with one person. So yeah. you brought it up. I, yeah, I think I did bring it up. Is that correct? You, you brought it up a couple times. And then at a certain point when I found out that I had also been cheated on, I was like very upset, but also very curious and... and Okay, so yeah, I think we had been dating for like two years or something, and I cheated on him. Um, and it was just a physical thing, it wasn't like I was pining after this other person. And I honestly, again, I just, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. I know that many people listening to this are probably going to think that I'm a terrible person, but I genuinely didn't understand this from his perspective at the time. I didn't have that empathy because I don't feel that way. I don't feel that kind of jealousy. Did you know you cheated? Were you oh, yeah, defining yeah, yeah. as cheating? Okay. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, like in denial or I wasn't like making up, you know, some way to make it okay in my head or anything. I just really assumed that that's just what people did and you just didn't talk about it and that that's just how relationships work because I'd heard so many stories of people that cheat on each other and you know it just seemed like a like a normal thing that you know we just kind of brush under the rug and we don't talk about it. But did you tell Ben? So I did um, you know when it felt like the time was right we were gonna move in together and I thought well that's really serious you know I should I should tell him 
And I was actually shocked when he was like, I've never cheated on you. It's like, what are you talking about? We have been dating for years. You like, were surprised he had never cheated on you. I was shocked. I was really, really surprised. And I was like almost angry. I was like, oh, drop the act. You know, I was like irritated. Um, but he never had. And, you know, him being kind of a scientist at heart was just, of course he was angry. And this took us many years to overcome. I don't want to gloss over this. Like this is not something that was, that was serious for both of us, but he was very curious. Like, why did you do that? Like, what did that provide for you? What were you, what were you thinking about before? Like, not just what were you thinking, but like, what were you actually <laughs> thinking about? And what was it that you needed? And we had just some very, very frank conversations, which I think is the, um, like the requirement for anybody to be able to have any kind of open relationship is to be able to talk about things that are kind of hard to talk about and just be, you have to be able to be honest with yourself before you can be honest with another person. So really figuring those things out took some soul searching. Um, so what were some of your answers to that? That it was just new. It was, you know, it wasn't an experience where I had to reassure somebody after a long day of work. It wasn't about them. It was about me. It was a, uh, mm you know, lusty kind of thing. And we hadn't had that because we'd been dating for years. And at this point we were very much in love. And, you know, I think we both kind of knew that it was going to be a long-term thing. And I needed to find something, or I thought I needed to find something where I could just have this sexual experience that was about my sexuality and not about somebody else's reassurance. That's how I felt at that time. So, so it was purely physical. Yeah. And Ben, how I mean, I, I like this person. I wouldn't like throw them away, and I would probably still pick up the phone if they called, and mm -hmm. you know, if ne if they needed something. Like it's it's not like this is you know somebody I don't I didn't care about or don't care about, but um, but no, never in an, any kind of relationship way, not at all. Okay. And Ben, how did you respond to this when you found out? I mean, I already didn't like the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes it a little harder. Uh, you know, and the hard part for me. Part, part of the hard part for me was that I, I just, I didn't like him. It was like, that was part of the icky feeling was like, wait, of, of all people, that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which has actually come up a few more times. Like we now kind of have, we, we call it, well, we didn't coin this term, but we, we call it kitchen table polyamory. We have to at least all be able to sit around the kitchen table and like have a good <laughs> conversation with each other or we get, you know, veto power. Like if we just really don't like somebody, which has happened. Uh -huh. um, I think both of us have told each other like, I just don't really don't like that person that you're dating. Okay. You know? So I, I do want to get to that because I want to sure. get to the boundaries and the rules. Yeah. How did you open up this conversation about possibly seeing other people? And how did you guys solidify this sort of relationship? The worst threesome ever. Oh, it's a great is that, story. Is that a topic we can talk? Yeah. We can talk um, sex. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so this is like this is a this is a pretty normal thing for couples that are are, are just getting into all kinds of open relationships, non-monogamy, whatever. The first thing most couples do is let's have a threesome. Huh. And I will. It, I want to interject and say that there are a lot of things that are wrong with that initial approach that um, some people in the audience who may be polyamorous are thinking about right now. So we can talk more to that, but this of is course. how when we also first got into this. When you're brand new and you're working uh -huh. on limited data and you don't have anybody else to talk to, uh -huh. this is the thing that makes sense to, to a lot of people where it's like, okay, let's bring another girl into the bedroom. 
you know, very often it's a fantasy that the guy has had, and it's less threatening to... If somebody finds out, it's yeah, not I mean, something it's... that could be said negatively about a guy, you know? So uh-huh. since I was the one broaching this topic, and he was the one that was less comfortable, I was letting him yeah. say, like, this is the way that I would like to dive into this deep end. Yeah. It's on the it's on the low end of like outrageous things you can do. <laughs> Threesomes are like the entry level. Yeah, exactly. Which and and so many people I think maybe listening to this who are aware of the fact that actually being in a triad relationship is one of the hardest things to pull off. That oh, is I like heard. a very uh, yeah, <laughs> a very um a very difficult thing to. Well, we've to all do. watched Three's Company. We all know. What there. <laughs> <laughs> you brought in a third party. Did mm-hmm. you know the girl? Nope. So, so I'm out having drinks with my coworkers. Uh-huh. Kate's on her way to the bar, and this woman starts hitting on me, like in a way that doesn't usually happen, just at the bar on a Tuesday. A random stranger. Completely. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I don't think I've ever taken anybody home from a bar in my entire life because it's just not really. How I roll. I really don't think you have. (laughs) I don't think so. But she was laying it on really thick, and when Kate walked in, she doubled down. Oh. Apparently she thought I was very pretty. So explain to me, how how was she hitting on you, and how does she double down? She was pretty grabby even before Kate got there. I mean, she was was making herself very clear. (laughs) You know, we'd been talking about having a threesome, and we had no idea how to go about it, and all of a sudden, here's this woman throwing herself at us at the bar, and like... We'd been talking about it. All right. (laughs) We, didn't, we had been talking about it for like a year, and so this was like the first opportunity, because I don't think either one of us actually went to much effort to seek that out. I was trying not to be pushy, and I think yeah. he was a bit nervous. We didn't want to sleep with our friends, like, you know, right. just yeah. so... Yeah, so the universe basically friendships. handed this to you. Take this woman. Very, very <laughs> clearly. Um, she she had some say in the matter, too, but yes. Um, thank you, universe. <laughs> she did so, not seem prepared to take no for an answer. So <laughs> so anyway, we all end up in a, in a cab on the way home. And unfortunately, the bartender, who we knew and really liked us, gave everybody one last shot because he was really rooting for us at this point. <laughs> it was oh, pretty clear God. what was going on. Um, and so I felt like she probably had one too many. And by the time we got home, I had like decided, okay, we're going to tuck her into bed. And I put, you know, sheets on the on the sofa and I put a pillow out and got her a big glass of water, plugged her phone in and everything. And, Southern and hospitality. I said, <laughs> and I said, you know, don't worry, like we'll call you a cab in the morning. And, and I thought that she was going to go to sleep. Um, and she was very appreciative and sweet. And I went to go take a shower. And then I, the, from my perspective, I'm taking a shower and I've got like shampoo in my hair and she just runs into the bathroom and like, hops in, sh- in the shower with me and starts like kissing me and touching me everywhere and it was I mean, she bumped me into the hot water thing and it turned off and all of a sudden we're just both being blasted with cold water <laughs> and Ben ran in and he's like thought we weren't okay I, I guess he thought maybe somebody fell in the shower I didn't like, know what the hell was going on, on? we tried to like <laughs> here you go you can go to bed and I turn around and she stripped off all her clothes and is running headlong at the bathroom. I mean this is like the start of <laughs> some of the pornos I've watched <laughs> I know yeah. unfortunately a fantasy come true. it did not turn out that well yeah, so she, so at this point, I'm just like, okay, everybody, you know, chop, chop, <laughs> like, get out of the bathroom, get a towel, get dried off, go upstairs, get in the bed, <laughs> be right there, I have to get the shampoo out of my hair. So the threesome didn't go well, why? 
Well, I had never been with a woman before at all, so I didn't know really what to do. I know what I like, so I was trying that, and I wasn't getting like a lot of constructive like feedback. She was everything was great. She's like, "Oh my gosh, you're so wonderful!" Ah, ah. like just oh. like you would imagine in a porno. And yeah. I was kind of hoping for like, but like, really, tell me, like, do you actually like? Oh, you wanted to learn from this. Yes, I did. I thought it would be really. I thought it was going to be a learning experience, and so we were. We just ended up all giggling on the bed. And um, probably all had a bit too much to drink, and I think everybody ended up feeling perfectly happy about that situation. And then she went home, and we never talked to her again. But this opened up <laughs> a polyamorous relationship. How did that happen? So we made an OkCupid profile. The the, the two of us, two of you. like okay. like you do. Uh huh. Um, now, now they have a new feature where you can link your profiles together. But at mm. this time, oh. they didn't have that. This was the the, the, the polyamory dark ages of OkCupid. <laughs> you know, all all. Three or four and years ago. Actually, OkCupid is one of the most progressive dating sites. They they do allow you to actually put um, you know open relationship and things yeah. on your profile. They're they're great. Um, I think so. Yeah, but that didn't used to be a thing either. But that didn't not used to be not a thing. when we made our profile. It was so all we made our own profile, uh-huh. and then um, we just put up some cute pictures of us with our cat. You know, like <laughs> of course, like hey, we're normal people. Like look, <laughs> we have cats cat. like us. We like cats. We're great. And somebody uh, reached out to us. It was another couple. They seemed absolutely lovely. They had just moved to New York from the Bay Area, actually, and they were really missing their community. Um, And so they were trying to find like-minded people in New York. So they said, you know, you guys seem like the kind of people we would just be friends with. Can we all go get coffee together? We're trying to put together some, they called them soirees. We're trying to put together some soirees uh, at our house, and we want to invite the right people. And I immediately got the hint. I was like, oh my God, this is that kinky sex party thing that people do. I've read about this in magazines. I was so excited. I was Uh like, we are going. I Uh was super, super pumped. Um, So we went to get coffee with them. They were absolutely lovely. They came to our wedding. We went to their wedding. They are still close friends to this day. Um, And they made us just feel really confident. Like, okay, we can meet strangers on the internet and this can go well. This is nice. So they invited us to a soiree at their place, um, and it was our first like play party, where we actually it was like a group of people were having sex, um, which was awesome. Swapping or just orgy? No, yeah, more orgy style. Okay. And the difference there is swapping kind of implies that one couple will switch with the other couple's partners, and um, what we would call play party is has a lot more focus on individual consent where individual people can do things that they would like to do but it doesn't necessarily imply that their partner will or wants to do that same thing with another person consent you have to get consent consent is huge consent is huge but it's more like i mean i think swapping there there it's definitely not a non-consensual thing i don't mean to say that at all but i think that there are definitely pre-negotiated agreements between couples when they go into like a swingers situation um where a lot of people are okay with swapping, where if one person in the couple approaches another couple, there's an implicit agreement mm-hmm. that like they will be tr- like basically trading places, okay. right? And it's very consensual because I'm sure that these couples would never approach anybody that they hadn't previously talked to their partner about ahead of time. Mm-hmm. The play parties are just a little more lax in that um, 
like I could go up to a woman or a man and say, hey, do you, would you like to do this kinky thing with me? And they can say yes, and that's fine. And I don't necessarily need to get Ben's permission or that person's partner's permission. Got it. It's implied that I go in there. And I'm not necessarily hooking up with that person's partner either. Got right. it, got it. Okay, so you're not doing stuff as a couple, really. You're there individually. Usually, no. Not yeah, necessarily. We, we typically play separately when, um. when we go to events like that. I mean, it's like a, it's like um, when you have playtime as kids too. They call so, them play parties exactly. for a reason. For a reason. <laughs> it should be fun. What is the progression of events after this? In parallel, uh, I had started talking to a woman who wanted to go on a date with both of us. Mm -hmm. On OkCupid, you met her. On OkCupid, and so the three of us went out, and we had a great time at dinner, and we we all went back to our place and had like a you know another kind of awkward threesome. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> And Kate and I were talking about it the next day, and she says, you know what, like, I, I, I don't have a lot of sexual chemistry with, with this woman, but, but you do, like, you guys should date. Okay. And I really liked her. Okay. And um, I still really like her. I definitely consider her a friend. But, yeah, you know, I just wasn't, like, feeling like we had a whole lot of sexual chemistry. And, and that's, I think, when we first started to realize, like, wow, the odds of finding one other person that we both have an equal amount of sexual chemistry with seem very low, actually. Mm. We really should probably just be meeting new people that we like mm. and spend time with them and see what happens. And I realized that what happened was they had chemistry and they really, really liked each other. And I thought they and should pursue that. And you guys got along as friends, which was important. Right. Yeah. So this is where we sort of figured out the whole kitchen table polyamory. Yeah, let's talk about the rules and the boundaries. Yeah. Sure. Um, we are we have very limited rules. Okay. Most people you talk to probably I think would have more rules than we do. Um, mine are basically no tenants, no students, no employees, nobody in a subordinate position who could really this is like legally covering our ass. Nobody mm. who could say, oh, these kinky people forced me into something. Um, and you know, we need to be able to actually like this person. Like if it's somebody we don't want in our home. That's veto territory right there. Mm. That doesn't usually happen. And the other reason that, that the, uh, you know, that us all getting along is so important is because, uh, you know, one of the, the things that you hear when, when people go on the radio and talk about polyamory is about how love is infinite. And that, that may be true, but, but time is not. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, and a lot of other finite resources, they get wrapped up in relationships. So if, if I have to, you know, subdivide my limited free time when we're both working full time to go see this other person like that, that will get inconvenient. So I have, I have so many questions about kind of applying the rules of dating or the norms of dating to a polyamorous relationship. When you guys go on dates with this other, the third party, who pays for the date? Oh, I think it's different every time. I mean, yeah. you know, if one, if somebody is hard up for a job, well, um, the other people who are gainfully employed will split the bill. I don't think we have any like kind of specific thing we do there. No. And then do you do you ever get in a in a situation where you go on a date with someone and the two of you are like, oh, when should we text her next, or when should we <laughs> yeah. ask her out again? Yeah, so that's like, definitely yeah, <laughs> intimidating. I, you know, one one of my if insofar as we have rules, one of my number one rules of Polly is don't be weird. <laughs> Just like if you want to text somebody, text them. So like, no don't, playing. No, why? We're, we're adults. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> nobody has time for that. But do you guys at like at, at home, just the two of you, go? Do you think she liked us? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. okay. Of course. I mean, you discuss it. Of oh yeah, oh yeah. 
I also, I just don't like eating in front of people and like it's polite to take somebody to dinner and I get really self-conscious because I'm like chewing and you know, that's a whole thing. <laughs> this date is just you and this other yes, person? Yes, I am going on a date with a man I met on, <laughs> on Tinder. It's our first Tinder date. <laughs> yeah, I only just downloaded Tinder like a week ago. I don't think I'm going to keep it on my phone. Um, but I did meet this one nice person and so we are going to go meet at a burger place. And Ben, would you have to approve him beforehand? Have you seen his profile? I have seen his profile because we, Kate, Kate has been avoiding the whole social media dating thing for a long time because it, it stresses her out. So Kate's Tinder experience was lying in bed next to me, inspecting every profile, like every detail. I would ask him, like, what do you think? Do you think he's cute? I can't tell. He's like, kind of far away in this picture. Like, oh, he's into rock climbing. Does that mean he's a douche or does that mean he's cool? It's like, babe, <laughs> right or left? Yeah. <laughs> he was getting irritated with me because I kept asking for, for help, basically. I've never been on Tinder. And, I, and he does all of our uh, like online profile maintenance, mostly because I, I just don't really care to. It, I find it very stressful. So you guys date as a couple, but then also date individually. Yes, we do. Right? And you've int introduced other women into the threesome, but what about men? I have dated another guy, yes. Into the into your relationship with Ben? No. Nope. No, okay. It was just he and I. They, so, um, you know, I think they tried to be friends. I don't think that worked out very well. They just didn't have, they it, on the surface, they had a lot in common, but when it really came down to it, they just didn't have a lot to talk about. So that was a little stressful. And that's he was actually terrified of me. That's actually one of the reasons <laughs> that um, that we stopped dating was that it just why wasn't. Was he, why was he terrified of you? I don't know. I was trying to be friendly. Um, he was new to this, and I think he, honestly, I don't think he believed me that everything I was doing was okay with Ben. I think that he oh. felt very unsure of what our rules were. Um, he felt unsure of them because we didn't have a lot of them. Like he was kind of expecting me to have like a bullet list to go down. And mm -hmm. I you know, was just like, well, it's a little more chill than that. You know, we do things that make us happy and we check in with each other. We never want to make each other unhappy. And um, we use condoms. <laughs> and that's, you know. <laughs> but do you use condoms with each other? No. Okay. Are you into men as well, Ben? No. Okay. So only women for you and for you, Kate. Men like and women. Heteroflexible. I tried to date a gal once, and she was probably the loveliest gal. I just can't say enough good things about her, and I just realized I just wasn't that attracted to women. Um, I, I do like to play with women when it's, you know, kind of at a party, and I guess, you know, I feel a little more, like, kind of go crazy and have fun, mm -hmm. you know? But um, yeah, as far as dating went, it didn't, didn't seem like the right thing for me. I want to jump back to my, my yeah. New York girlfriend again for a second, just because I, I feel like it really encapsulates like our experience of this. About once a week, she would come over, and she and I would like catch up and hang out and have sex for a couple hours and just relax, like do our own thing. And Kate would go out shopping mm -hmm. and be very grateful for like the totally unencumbered alone time. Loved it. Yeah. And then Kate would come home and we'd all have dinner together. Okay. okay. And that was great. And I want to ask about this time spent because I feel like, I mean, you're talking about time is not infinite, right? Correct. So do you allot time in a week to spend with other people versus with each other? We definitely sit down and look at our calendars and make sure that we're leaving enough time for everybody. Gotcha. We okay. don't, I don't want anybody to feel like they're on the sidelines. Ben has a really beautiful way of putting this. He says he wants, well, you say it. I'm not, I'm going to mess it up. I, I was, I guess I was explaining it to somebody, and I, I basically said that we want our partners to be as much a, a part of our family as they want to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, but we understand that, you know, when somebody's coming into our situation that we are married, we definitely are in a hierarchical open situation where, you know, each other definitely kind of comes first. But that doesn't mean somebody's, you know, emotions are any less important. Um, and so we try very hard to make sure that we don't ever make somebody feel like they're a third wheel. We have a two-bedroom place we rented on purpose, and we try to make sure that neither bedroom feels like the master bedroom. We just have two spaces, and I've made them, <laughs> I decorated them both very beautifully <laughs> to make sure that it felt really equal, that if he had a woman over for the night that she didn't feel like she was getting shoved in like the dinky, you know, junk closet room or something. Well, so let's go to that. If you do have a woman over, what happens? She spends the night. Where does she sleep? They, they'll sleep in one of the beds. It actually kind of depends on... That's because Kate doesn't like to cuddle. No, it depends on who wants to <laughs> That's true. I don't like to cuddle. Okay. <laughs> so, like, like, so I'm trying to squeeze everyone into the same bed, and Kate's like, no, you guys got to... Oh, so they'll go into the other room. Yeah, and whichever room we sleep in depends on who wants to watch TV that night because one of the bedrooms has a TV and the other one doesn't. So it's kind of like up in the air, like which bed you'll sleep in, which is totally fine. They're both really comfy. Just a little background. I was was dating this girl um, a few months after we got to San Francisco and like started making friends. And so she was coming over every so often, and she was the kind of person that would like wake up in the middle of the night, wake me up, and try to have sex with me, and that would wake Kate up. And she was like, "We're not, we're not sharing a bed anymore." She wants to do that. That's fine, but I you're just, waking me I up. Need, I need better <laughs> sleep than that. <laughs> I couldn't function at work the next day if I get woken up in the middle of the night. So I was what? like, "You guys have to go in the other room to have sex." But That's what fine. if you both want to have sex with Ben at the same time? But it would be up to her, of course, if that were something that she oh, would be okay with. Up to her. Oh, absolutely. To have yeah. a threesome, you mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But what if you both individually are competing to have sex with men? Does that ever happen? That hasn't happened. I mean, no. I think that's part of why you have to be mindful of each other's, you know, feelings and the the calendar, the time thing is is uh, the trickiest point. I don't um, think the word competing is ever entered my brain when I was yeah, thinking about this. Yeah, but like, you know, if somebody's had a really bad day and they're like, I need comfort, I need cuddles tonight, and I, I need this, it's you, you step out of the way. Like, the person who's in a better, like, spot kind of goes to the side and mm-hmm. makes sure that we, make sure we're taking care of everybody the way that we need to. So you have to be extremely in touch with each other and also communicative. You just have to talk a lot. A lot. Yeah, and don't assume. Like, say it out loud. We spend so much time just talking about this. I've learned so much more about myself from just having these conversations than I would have without. Yeah, I feel like our relationship was a lot stronger for, like, having to talk about everything and just everything's on the table. Do you ever get jealous? I don't. He does. I get jealous about very specific things. Like what? Like, if Kate wants to do something with somebody else that she didn't want to do with me. Like, that... Mm. or if I feel like she's taking a lot of time away from me to go see somebody else. But, uh, you know, so we work that out. Right. How do you work that out? Just say, hey. Better scheduling. <laughs> I feel like you're spending, you know, three nights a week this week with this other person, and then the nights that we do have at home, I know one of them is going to have to be take out the garbage night, and one of them <laughs> is going to have to be we do our taxes night, and we're not going to get to have a date night this week, so can you please like rearrange your schedule so that we can have that time together? Just say that. You know. Currently, as we speak today, how many other relationships do you have individually? Right now, I have none. Okay, God, so you're not dating sad. anybody. 
Is that sad? <laughs> is that sad? Though? I don't know when I say it out loud like that. No. I mean, that's the thing. It's I, Again, I don't feel like there's anything missing in my life. Okay. It's like I have this option to you know, learn more about other people and about myself and to have these other great experiences. It's also just a lot less stressful. Like, you know, if I find myself attracted to somebody, I'm not nervous about it or try to hide it from anybody. Um, it just can be. And that makes my life, I think, considerably less stressful. And then Ben, how many relationships do you currently have? Not at the moment. I guess this is just a transitional time for us. When was your last relationship? A couple months ago. Okay. Yeah. Why did it end? Um, you know, it was it was her first polyamorous relationship. I met her at one of the happy hours, and you know, it was like a a big journey for her. And uh, you know, it was it was really good for a while, and then it was kind of over. Okay. When was your last relationship, Kate? Oh gosh, it was probably about a year ago. It ended badly, and I've actually been kind of avoiding dating since then because um, I was just very sad afterwards. He. He didn't really quite believe me that all of this was okay. Like, I wish I could play him this podcast. Mm. Um, I think he kind of thought sure? I was a liar. Ah, well, I'm not talking to him, so. Ben, were you there for her when she was going through this sort of bad breakup? Oh, that's the cutest part. Yeah, if somebody, like, breaks up with you. Actually, his last relationship ended on the day before Valentine's Day, and he was really sick, and we ended up just cuddling and talking about her pretty much all weekend. Kate was far more upset than I was. I was like, I was ready I was for it. She, uh, you know, we'd been gr growing a little more distant. And of course, her first poly relationship, I'm braced for impact because it's, you know, people learn a lot about themselves when they're doing this for the first time, of yeah. course. I was upset on his behalf because I felt like she didn't value how much, like, he put into that and how much it meant to him. Yeah. That was a fairly flippant way to say, I don't, don't, I don't care as much about you as you care about me. Gotcha. Which is completely fair, and if that's where she is, she should she should say that. And I probably shouldn't have gotten so upset. <laughs> I didn't get upset with her or anything. Like we're still fine. But um, there was clearly a misunderstanding there, and, and what yeah. that says to me is that we probably didn't communicate as well as we should have. Like that, you know. Right, right. Well, and this happens too. Like people feel like, oh, you can only really love me if you leave your wife, or oh, you can only really, you know, care about me if you don't care about One this other, other person. Yeah. yeah. So well, that it's... I think might have been maybe a part of it. I'm not sure. Well, that comes with a misunderstanding of what a polyamorous relationship is. So in the interest of time, I'm going to wrap this yes. up. We have to get you guys back because there's so many more questions. <laughs> there's a lot of stories. A here. lot of stories, a lot more depth and layers to all of this. But one last thought is give me like a two-second set sentence of advice to someone who's, getting, who's thinking about getting into a polyamorous relationship. It just takes a lot of honesty with yourself. You have to know what you want. Sometimes that means you have to go experiment and figure out what you want. You know, you can't figure this all out in a vacuum. Um, you have to be willing to be very honest with the people that you're engaging with and telling them, you know, everything. If something is bothering you, you're feeling jealous, be honest about that, talk about that. Um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot more time, I think, than a traditional relationship um, to do it right. And you know, it's very intimidating too. There's a whole big glossary of new terms you have to learn because we mm -hmm. live in a culture where we don't have words for a lot of these things. Like, right. you know, all of a sudden we're hearing words like um, 
metamor and compersion. Compersion is the feeling of happiness that somebody you love loves another. Oh, wow. I might not even be getting that definition right. So it's like, it's just a very intimidating thing to dip your toe into. Totally. I would recommend OkCupid. I think that's a safe place. I think there's a lot of pe like-minded people on there. Um, one thing is that the lingo changes from region to region within the U.S. even. So find out what your local you know, <laughs> dialect for this is. Um, we listen. found out that swapping was kind of a loaded term when we started to travel. Oh, okay. <laughs> so basically take a course on what... Well, resources, oh. <laughs> resources like this, like the Datable podcast, um, people who are willing to talk about this kind of thing, go, go seek that out. You know, mm -hmm. go on, on Reddit. There's a non-monogamy subreddit. There's a polyamory subreddit. Well, before there's I ever send anybody over there, I'd have them read uh, Dossie Easton's book. Yes, and there's a so, wonderful book. Uh, Dossie Easton and, and her friend, whose name I can't remember right now, wrote a book called The Ethical Slut. Um, but she's still active... Um, around the Bay Area. We actually met her a couple weeks ago. She was speaking. Um, and it's still very, very relevant. And that you know, it was a book that we read when we were trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah, it's a really um, great resource. Don't be afraid to ask for help, I guess, is what I would tell people. And try to seek out resources. And if you think something is not for you, then probably isn't for you. There's a lot of different varieties of this. And, um, you know, you just have to do your research. Well, if I can take a stab at the, the short yeah, description, yeah. The, the, the advice I would give people that are just getting to this for the first time is that if you're, if you're doing this with a partner, you have to walk into it knowing that you will upset each other at some point because there's no way to discuss everything in advance. Yeah. And when that happens, you have to talk about it and agree to figure out what went wrong and not be upset with each other. Great advice. So here's a treat for all of our listeners at home. If you are someone who's curious about polyamory or non-traditional relationships, um, email us, contact us, and we will forward your questions on to Ben and Kate, who I'm sure you love to answer oh, some of these questions and absolutely. guide people in the right direction, right? I'm sure there's a lot of mistakes you learned along the way that you can help other people not make the same mistakes. Um, and also, you know, we want to hear your stories. Are you in a non-traditional relationship? Tell us about it. We want to get you on the show. I want to thank you guys, Ben and Kate, for being on the show and for being open and honest and telling us your story. And on a count of three, we're going to say, Stay dateable. Three, two, one. Stay, Stay dateable. dateable. <laughs> Done. Your action item for this week is to learn about a relationship style that you're unfamiliar with. Start with a Google search on non-monogamous relationships, and you'll see there are currently seven defined categories of non-monogamy, according to Psychology Today. By learning about non-traditional relationships, it'll help you understand what you're looking for, your boundaries, your deal breakers, what excites you, and just overall what you want to get out of dating. Think of it as a self-growth experiment. And who knows, you may even find yourself wanting to try something a little different. The most efficient way to meet new people is a combination of online and offline. 500 Brunches has your offline covered. Connect over brunch with new friends. Come alone or bring a buddy. There is always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast.